Welcome to our latest uh, Chamber podcast. Uh, in this episode, we're talking about the work of Midlands Connect and the future of transport decarbonisation in the region as part of Transport Week as part of our Sustainable Business Series. Now, for those who are not familiar with it, the series provides an opportunity to, to educate businesses on net zero through sharing best practice, guidance and knowledge to encourage business progress. I'm Raj Kandola, Head of Policy at the Chamber. I'm delighted to be joined by Simon Statham, CTO of Midlands Connect. Now, just before we start, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Aston University, uh, Morgan Sindel, Arup, and the University of Birmingham for their ongoing support of this campaign. So, Simon, some people listening out there might not be familiar with the work of Midlands Connect. Could you start by sharing some information on the work that Midlands Connect carries out and how it's involved in the decarbonisation agenda? Sure. So, so Midlands Connect are uh, officially we are the subnational transport body for uh, for the Midlands. Uh, and that's the whole of the Midlands, uh, East and West together. Uh, so our, our core job is to advise government on what the region needs from the government's big pots of transport funding. So uh, what, do, what does it spend on roads? What does it spend on railways? We do the little moniker that we have is that we research, develop and recommend. Uh, and then we provide that advice to government and say, if you're going to come and spend that money in the region, we'd like you to spend it on these things, please. And it is our evidence. Um, and the research that we generate in conjunction, we talk a lot to businesses through the LEPs and Chambers of Commerce are all part of our, um, our, our partnership, our governance structure. Uh, and we get that kind of feed in as to what businesses need through, through that. Um, and, and then we provide that advice down, down to government. Now, that, since, since um, sort of 2017, when our first strategy came out, we've sort of been evolving a slightly different role. And we're now also taking a um, kind of quite a wide role in helping the whole region kind of collaborate around kind of big agenda items. So things like decarbonisation in particular is um, is obviously one of those. Um, and you know we, we we feel that we as a region as a as a as a partnership we can um, collaborate and we can uh, you know come up with the better ideas than if individual authorities or individual businesses or individual local local enterprise partnerships. If they're all kind of doing their own thing, I think, and we feel like we're a really good place to kind of have that level of collaboration. And from a Connect point of view, how was the sustainability agenda developed in your output since 2017? How, what kind of journey have you gone on? Uh, around yeah, I think it's. I, I think it's fair to say that our original strategy that we we did the work for in about 2015 and we published in 2017. I think it's fair to say that. Um, we were only really focused on the economy. Um, it was all about productivity because where the region is 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 kind of lagging behind the UK average, and the UK lags behind European averages. Um, it was all about um, productivity, is about jobs growth, it was about housing growth, and that sort and those sorts of things. It was kind of grow, grow, grow. And I think we probably um, you know recognised that we're not in that space anymore. So, you know, 20, 2021 is a very very different place to twenty seventeen. Weirdly, even though it's only you know a few years apart, you know the um, climate change is it, it has a massive um, impact on, on on what we do now and and our thinking and kind of post pandemic kind of behaviours and changes in working practices and those sort of things and what businesses need now um, on the back of that means that we've really got to think. Differently, and we are refreshing our strategy, um, and we're, we're looking to publish in um, early part of next year. Um, and now, things th those kind of agenda items are much more prominent, and they impact our thinking. And we've got many more kind of strands to our bow because of those um, because of those areas of work. 
Now, recently, the government released the uh, Transport Decarbonisation Plan. And what was Midlands Connect's response to the plan? And what does he think it means for the future of freight, for example? So it's it's obviously it's it's absolutely it's fantastic that we have a, a base to build from now. So we have the kind of the big building blocks of what government uh, is saying needs to happen and by when. Um, it, it, it's and many some of the details are missing, and they they recognise that they recognise that there's a journey to go on. Um, like for example, the um, the, the, the the date of decarbonising HGVs of kind of 20, 2040, where no new diesel HGVs will be sold. Um, they 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 acknowledge that the technology is not yet available for that to happen, and that you know that needs to kind of accelerate and so on. So, but we've got the building block. We know when it needs to happen, and now we've uh, we, along with um, a multitude of different organisations, need to work hard to get to that point to understand how to to actually deliver on it. So, it's great that that building block is in place. It's great that the the, the transport decarbonisation plan gives a role for subnational transport bodies, uh, in particular, to help local authorities kind of collaborate and kind of get better um, and and be. More informed as to how uh, how they can decarbonise and what what policies they have available to them that will help um, in the decarbonisation space. Um, but I think you know, there's, like I say, there's, there's there's details to come, and uh, and Midlands Connect is trying to be part of um, part of that work. So we are doing some work looking at um, what we call alternative fuels for freight and logistics. So we're looking at what the the logistics industry needs from a network of refueling that's not diesel. So where where does the infrastructure need to be? What kind of uh, fuel might it need to be? What what are the needs of um, big operators, small operators, um, so on and so forth? Um, and to try and understand where in our transport network does those um, does that refueling infrastructure need need to be? Uh, and we're actually we're actually leading now leading on a piece of work. Uh, with the whole of um, England uh, to, to to kind of roll out the methodology that we've developed and their Department of Transport has been very uh, appreciative of. Uh, and we're now looking to roll that out across all the other subnational transport bodies, of which there are another six um, that cover the rest of England. So Midlands Connect is, is trying to be part of that. Well, if we don't know what the details are, how do we work out the details that enable us to kind of hit those big milestones that the TDP, that the TDP puts in? How do you take into account the particular nuances that I suspect are apparent in different parts of the region, for example? Because obviously you, you've got quite a big coverage there of the Midlands as a whole. I mean, how, how do you kind of bring those different ideas and, and priorities together to then have that kind of longer term strategy, would you say? Yeah, so we, you know, our, our, our big stick, our big stick is, is evidence. So we, we kind of pride ourselves on being an evidence led organisation. So we um, we make sure that we understand our region in its fullest, uh, and um, our starting point for that is understanding our kind of local economies and how they build up to be a regional economy, where there are commonalities between economies and where there are differences. So we've done a lot of work around um, the needs of dis different industrial sectors. Um, what does professional services need from a transport network? What does manufacturing and logistics need from a from a transport network, we're starting to venture into the particular nuances of rural and visitor economies and what they need from um, from um, uh, transport networks to, to really help them thrive and uh, and flourish. And then 
getting that understanding feeds down into how we recommend, we research, develop, and recommend how we recommend uh, what infrastructure needs are uh, for different parts of the region. No, that's really interesting. I think obviously it's an, an evolving agenda because, like you said, you've been around since 2017, and even in that time, there's been some seismic shifts across the the, the economy and society as a whole. So, really interesting to see how that plans out, plays out in the next um, next few years. I mean, you mentioned uh, the your Connect is obviously uh, refreshing its strategy. I mean, could you give an update on what the main parts of the strategy will cover and the emphasis it will put on reducing transport emissions? So the, we're, we're basing our new strategy around three, what we call three grand challenges. So how, how, how can we use um, transport to help in the levelling up agenda? How can, how can transport um, contribute to decarbonisation? Uh, and, and then trying to understand um, the impacts of uncertainty that's been caused by big, big changes to our, our society and our economy from both from the pandemic, from things like Brexit and so on, to try and understand how those levels of uncertainty uh, play into what it actually, it, what it actually we think that we need and how we do it. So, so decarbonisation is one of those kind of three big grand challenges. Now, we, we're not a delivery body. We're not a policy body. So we don't dictate you know, laws or, or new, or new uh, statutory policy that would come in, uh, and nor do we deliver on infrastructure. Our job is to kind of provide the evidence base and to provide um, the, the, the advice to both government and local authorities to what, what they need to do um, or, or what they can do to kind of contribute to those big three uh, agenda items. And one of, one of the things that we've really been focusing on in the world of kind of decarbonisation is really understanding the problem. So, um, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of information out there that says that transport is now the highest emitting sector. I think it's somewhere in the region of uh, 27, 28% of all uh, carbon emissions. And, and, it's, and it's one that hasn't managed to kind of um, decarbonize particularly quickly. If you look at other industry sectors, particularly energy, um, you know, the, the, the graph is quite steeply down. And we've managed to decarbonize our energy output quite, um, quite quickly. Uh, obviously, there's, there's, there's further to go. But transport, we haven't really managed to do that. And that's largely because we still have petrol, diesel vehicles um, driving around our networks. Um, and all the time, um, the, the, the amount we use them is going up um, overall. So what we've tried to do is we've talked about kind of slicing and dicing that carbon problem. So if we can understand that carbon problem, that, that, that where transport generates carbon, we can understand it in more individual slices. We can arm our local authorities. We can arm businesses. We can arm central government with an understanding of what to go after. So where are the biggest slices of carbon? So, for example, we know that um, about 21% of um, transport emissions are, um, are HGVs in, in the Midlands, and that's higher than the national average. Um, not really surprising. We've got a lot of motorways. We've got a lot of industries that rely on HGVs and so on in, in the Midlands. Um, we know that overall about 50% um, about of transport emissions come from businesses. So that's HGVs, that's vans, that's business trips by, um, by car. And if you add commuting onto that, then actually just over 70% of all transport emissions in the region come from business activity in some way. Now, some of that was going to go down because of post-pandemic kind of um, working practices. So the commuting element will come down, the business trips by car in particular will go, come down. 
Um, but unfortunately, it's, uh, other aspects will go up because of post-pandemic behaviour. So more vans, more uh, on online retail, and so on. So that the, the impact of that, the impact of that goes up. So we've got a. So first of all, we're providing that kind of evidence as to where the slices of carbon come from. So local authorities can uh, can make policy choices or investment choices. Businesses can understand what impact they're actually having, which is obviously very very large. Um, and um, and we're but we're also kind of promoting um, infrastructure that that has an impact. So we've got a big rail program, for example. Um, we've got a big program to um, to recommend investment in rail infrastructure to get those kind of longer distance pan-regional trips, more of those being made by rail, um, because very few of them are, um, and more and making more space for freight to, to be moved by rail as well. So there, so um, as, as, although we we don't hold the, hold the purse strings, you know, it's government that holds the purse strings as to exactly what it is that gets invested in. Um, we're, you know, our, our recommendations are that, um, that aligned with that kind of decarbonisation um, agenda in terms of we need to get people, we need to provide this, the, the opportunity for people and freight to, uh, to move more by rail across the region. Sure. And then I guess the really interesting part is obviously when businesses have that information, how they use that information and obviously, you know, look to embark on their own net zero journey. Yeah. I mean, do you think given the practical ramifications that, you know, firms are facing right now coming out of the pandemic, we're talking about, cost pressures, we're talking about uncertainty around uh, what's happening, like you said, in, in, in the long term with, with different networks. I mean, how best do you think businesses can use this information and really try to embark on their own net zero journey? Yeah, so I think I think the more they understand what their impacts are, um, the more they can understand what, what differences they can make. So, the, you know, relatively simple things that can be done today in terms of really thinking about your business activity. Do, do you need to send so-and-so uh, on a business meeting or can they do it face-to-face? -face? Um, uh, sorry, on, on, on Zoom, on, on Teams like we are now. Um, do we need everybody in the office five days a week in, in the future or can they commute, can they work from home um, more? Can we, can we change the, the way that certain jobs are so that they can actually work from home more? So there's sort of simple things you can do now and a lot of that has kind of been um, uh, sort of... Uh, changed by the pandemic and kind of post-pandemic behaviours. But I think there's that, there's that kind of longer term thing. So can, can, can we transition our pool cars to electric vehicles? You know, how, um, what, do, what, do our, what do our employees need when they're out in the, in, in the pools car, pool cars? Can they get away with the kind of the, the, the ranges that, that, um, that EVs provide? I mean, they're, they're going up all the time, the range um, that EVs provide. Can we provide EV um, infrastructure in our parking? And to encourage our our um, uh, our employees to switch from a, a petrol or a diesel car to an electric vehicle more quickly than they might have done otherwise, because they can understand how they can live with that. So then you know we start to look at what um, what impacts our um, our uh, operations and our kind of access to markets and supply chains, what that has on on carbon. Can we be more efficient in the way that we? Uh, think about our logistics and we think about the way that we plan for for any journeys that need to happen as a basis of our business. All of those things don't necessarily require a cost increase. Um, all of those and, and, and actually a lot of those things could potentially bring your cost base down uh, if they're you know if they're really thought through in terms of the impacts. Now the you know the biggest impacts particularly around HGVs is not a lot businesses can do today in terms of shifting to uh, an alternatively fueled vehicle, but keep an eye, keep a weather eye on on where the industry is headed. Feed into 
um, what um, what the kind of the manufacturing industry, the the industry that is developing the new vehicle types, feed into you know feed your needs into those um, uh, the development of those new vehicles, so that when they come out, you can understand and you can use them straight away. That's been really helpful, Simon. Thank you for that. So I guess just before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to add about the work of Midlands Connect and what's coming up in the next few months? So, I mean, we we are um, we do have our own podcast. Uh, um, I'm gonna uh, gonna do a quick plug for that. So look out look out for the engine rooms on our on our website. Uh, you can keep up to date with, um, with with all of our kind of publications. We've just done a uh, quite a big publication around the electric the need for electric vehicle infrastructure to kind of ramp up massively um, over the next few years. And if we're going to actually encourage people to take up electric vehicles. We've done. A, we've had other publications around um, the alternative fuels for freight and logistics, which outlines what it is that we're trying to do and what the scale of the problem actually is, and so on. Um, but you can keep up to date with all of that via our via Twitter and so on. Um, and you'll have access to all of our publications um, on, on our uh, on our website. Uh, and obviously, uh, feed into Raj, who uh, who sits as part of our steering group and, and is very a, a big contributor to. Um, our thinking and making sure that that kind of voice of business is fed into the way that we think. So, uh, you know, get in touch with Raj as well as uh, as well as directly to Midlands Connect. That's brilliant, Simon. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed that today. Um, so, like I said, I'd like to thank Simon for his time today. And again, if you would like any more information on the Sustainable Business Series, then please do visit the Chamber website. The series is culminating with a summit, which is taking place on the third of November, and our keynote speaker is Andy Street, Mayor of the West Midlands. And before we go, I'd like to get, once again thank our sponsors, Aston University, Morgan Sindel, Arup, and the University of Birmingham. Without their support, this campaign would not be possible. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day.